Welcome to See Uncovered, a place where you'll find the stories of proven entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Ashley Henschel. Welcome to See Uncovered. Today joining us is Renee Frazier. She is the founder and CEO of Frazier Communications, the largest female-owned and lead integrated advertising agency in Southern California. She's an advocate for women in leadership. She has served for 10 years as co-chair of 5050 Women of Boards, as well as a board member. She also served on boards of Girl Scouts, Greater Los Angeles, Wise and Healthy, Aging, and the American Red Cross. We are excited to have her on to learn more about her life and journey. Thank you. And here she is. Renee, how are you, Renee? Well, I'm delighted to be here, Ashley. Who is Renee in your own words? Renee is an advertising executive who's also a psychologist and a mom. I run an advertising and marketing firm and I come at it from a psychological perspective. I'm also a a big fan of women and girls and delighted to be here to talk about my journey. What sparked your passion for psychology and how did you get started? Being a psychologist was a passion of mine when I was in college. I I was fascinated with what made people tick, how they did what they did and why. And I tried clinical psychology, but I, I didn't really enjoy that. Instead, I went into what's called social psychology, which is normal behavior. What causes people to... Uh, to want to buy a certain kind of makeup, to prefer to go to certain locations like experiences for vacations rather than lounge on a beach. And that uh, desire to understand people's motivations and what it takes to persuade them was really well suited for advertising. So I kind of fell into advertising after I chose psychology. So is that kind of how you started Fraser Communications? Oh, it's a long story. I'll be real... (laughs) I um, And, and uh, having done my own uh, interviews with lots of entrepreneurs, very rarely is it a linear path, right? People don't just say, oh, I'm going to do that, and then it happens magically. Instead, you explore things in your life, and you find things that really get you excited. I, um, My dad had been in advertising, and I actually said when I was about 15, uh, I went to the advertising firm, and I, I loved all the people. I thought they were so creative, and it was fun. But I said to my dad, I'm never going to join advertising because those smart, fun, creative people should be solving the world's problems. <laughs> they shouldn't be selling juicy fruit gum and <laughs> shampoo. <laughs> and then uh, later on, I joined a big ad agency. I left it. And when I was going to start my own firm, my dad said, remember when you told me <laughs> advertising shouldn't be for selling things? It could should also be for doing good in the world. And that challenge spurred me on to start my own company. Well, so what services does Fraser Communications have? We do all forms of advertising. So we do social media. We do digital ads. We do outdoor boards, we do radio, we do television. That means we create the content for each one of those and the strategy. And we also work with influencers. We've uh, hired Katya Eches Vareta, who is the first Mexican-born woman to go into space. We brought in, she's an electrical engineer. And our assignment was to promote hybrid cars for Toyota, their Camry and their RAV4 hybrid 
So we came up with this strategy. We're all hybrids. We all have two parts to ourselves. And Katya has those two. She's an electrical engineer and a citizen astronaut. And in going into space, she used so much power, just like the camera uses power, and so much fuel efficiency, just like the RAV4 hybrid takes you farther on one tank of gas because it also uses the electric motor. So we were able to tell the story, and we did a wonderful video. It's uh, found at weareallhybrids.com, and it's all about Katja's life and her motivations, and she's very inspiring. Plus, it got people to consider those two cars. Isn't it crazy how in the last five or so years, it's changed where influencers are now the lead marketers and putting out that advertising because of the story they tell on their pages. How has that benefited your company? Yeah, it's definitely changed. I think the the other factor that's made influencers so important is lack of trust of the media, particularly with what's been going on politically. Uh, people distrust traditional media sources, and instead they want to hear from everyday people. So Facebook and Instagram, TikTok, really important ways to get information. Uh, TikTok in particular has become very, very valuable to people, even as a search rather than using Google. People will search on TikTok and of course YouTube. And influencers bring authenticity. Right? They speak from their own personal experience. They tell stories based on their lives. People can relate to that in so many ways. It's the most valuable way to share information these days. Like you said, it's surpassed so many other things in 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 media opportunities. But I will say this in our business you try to achieve reach. You want to reach a certain number of people and you have to tell them more than once. So for social media, we do boosting, right? The posting. And we also use typically another media form, maybe billboards, maybe radio, uh, sometimes YouTube pre-roll to be able to get the message out. So you hear it more than one time. And I'll, I'll with the fact that when we get an influencer to do a video for us, we can take her video and put it, obviously, on YouTube and in other formats, but it has to be really short. Yeah, it's all about the timing, honestly, because the I, what I've learned and experienced is the longer the video is, the less people are inclined to watch, and then it doesn't get picked up in the algorithm. And the science behind it is so fascinating to me, just learning as we go. Exactly. I saw on your guys' website that you help brands stay relevant. In what ways do you do so? Well, it's really important to listen and observe. You know, I have uh, 25 full-time people on my staff and 14 on a, on a part-time basis. And I ask them to come with their ideas and their experiences all the time and their observations. And I'm a, a really keen listener. I have uh, grandchildren, you know, under the age of 10. Uh, I love to hear how they use videos and, and YouTube to figure out how to make things and how to do things and then to mimic them. Uh, you know, the opening of gifts and the presents and the boxes and things like that. And I think as a psychologist, I'm always keen on observing other people and understanding their behavior. Uh, it's very important not to just use your own focus, right, and your own perspective, but to listen to others and stay on trend. I think I lost your volume. Uh, it's always important to stay on trend and to listen to others because they teach you what they're interested in. And as a psychologist, I'm always observing others. 
What does it mean to you to be serving on so many boards and why is it important for women to serve on boards? Serving on the nonprofit boards uh, has been a, a real education for me. I started early in my career and I think it's one of the reasons I'm successful as a business person. So young people, I recommend, especially now, people want uh, people's younger voices on boards, on the nonprofit side. Hard to get on the for-profit. I'll talk about that in a minute. But on the nonprofit side, like uh, a women's shelter, right, or a teen center, when you serve on the board, you hear how the business is run, you understand the issues they're dealing with, and you can provide a point of view as a young person of what you know is important to people, and you can ask the right questions. For example, what proportion of our dollars are being used to deliver services rather than just pay for the staffing? Right in the in the nonprofit world, you want that to be over eighty percent. The money is going right into programming, the staffing for the programs, and things of that nature. But I have learned that by serving on the boards, I got two things. One is a real sense of how serious some of the problems are. Like in Los Angeles, we have a serious problem with homelessness. Not just a matter of people choosing to live on the street. It's unfortunate circumstances. So I learned a lot. The second thing I learned was how to manage decision-making in a group with really smart people. And I learned from them. And the last benefit I got was I actually got business from it. My business grew because people saw me on the board contributing, taking a leadership role. And then they asked me if I could do advertising for them. And I was able to bring some of my 25 people in to be able to give examples of work. And we did pro bono. Examples were big, big billboards and exciting videos that we were able to do for important causes. Everybody in the company felt good about the work that we did. And I know that we got a great reputation as a result of being on boards. If you'd like to, let me talk about why it's good for women to be on publicly traded boards. Is that okay? I'd love, I'd love to hear that. So big companies uh, like, uh, let's just say, a California Pizza Kitchen, um, McDonald's, right, Nike, they all have boards with very important people helping to make the decisions. In fact, the board usually hires the CEO and decides what they get paid. And when you serve on those boards, you can make a lot of money, $250,000, $350,000 a year for your fees, along with stock options. Now, most of us won't get to serve on those big boards, but there are over 3,000 companies in what we call the Russell 3000, and some of them are much smaller. So when you serve on a board, a publicly traded board, you are responsible for evaluating the CEO. You can actually have an impact on what the company does. For example, one of the questions I've asked when I served on a board is, how are the employees getting um, trained so they can upgrade their skills and move up the ladder inside your company? And then the CEO said, well, let me check in with our HR department and our training department and report back to you. Well, sure enough, they weren't doing very much at all. And I knew from my own reading that when you retain people and move them up, it's much less expensive and better for the company than going on the outside and finding people. So the CEO put in place a training program and incentives for people to go out to community colleges, get certificates like in social media, digital media. So just by being on the board, you can ask important questions about what they're doing for the environment, what they're doing for the employees, how are they giving money back to the community? 
There's something called ESG, that's environment, social, and governance. And those are the common questions that are being asked now, besides the obvious ones about their financial stability and their financial planning. Mm -hmm. How do you get on a board? Is there a process where you have to apply or do you have connections? How, how do most people get on board? Good question. So there are three ways people get on boards generally. In about 40% of the cases, there are search firms that actually look for people to serve on boards. There's really no official list you get on. So that 40% is search firms, and those people have to know who you are. Uh, and they keep a database of uh, resumes and people. But you typically already have to be on a board to be in their database. The second way to get on a board is to deliberately go and get some training. Most of the universities in their business schools have a training program. And then 5050 Women on Boards, 5050WOB.com, has workshops that are relatively inexpensive, two or three hours long, tells you how to write your board resume. It's not the same as a job resume. How to present yourself in an elevator pitch, right? A real fast 30-second to 45-second statement. And then how to use your connections to get on board. So that's a very important way to get prepared. The third is to put it out there in your own personal experiences. When you sit down at Thanksgiving dinner with your family, say, you know, I've, I've been in business now for 12 years or 15 or 20. I think I'm ready to serve on a publicly traded board. And do you know anyone? Because when you get an informational interview or you sit on a nonprofit board, the people are observing you. In my experience, the people on the nonprofit board are already sitting on for-profit boards. I have you know, on my boards people like from Deloitte or Bain and Company or Bank of America. They sit on boards and they say, gee, that Renee, she asked good questions. She followed through. She really did work on the board. She helped lead our strategic plan. They did pro bono work. I think she'd be a good candidate for a board seat. Then they recommend you to the nominating committee. You might get an interview and an opportunity to serve on a board. So you can self-initiate, you can get educated, and then that first one I mentioned was through a, um, a search firm that actually looks for board members. I just have one last question. If, what advice do you have for young women who are either scared to go out there and take the risks to start their own business or who are nervous to even break into the business world? I, I suggest you be bold. Find someone who's a good friend, who's also a fan and a cheerleader for you. And use that person when you're uncertain and ask them to help you get a backbone, be bold, and be strong. Uh, the one thing I have learned and the one mistake I've made is I wasn't bold enough, right? I should have, I should have been bolder as I developed my career. So don't be afraid to talk to yourself in the mirror, practice, and be confident in who you are because you have so much to give to the world and putting it under a, a bushel, as they say, is not a good way. So tap into that light that you bring and share it with others. Have a friend who helps to give you that extra pat on the back and that push when you're uncertain. Most of us suffer from what's called imposter syndrome. We feel like, oh, I don't fit here. I'm not the right person. I, all these other people are much more capable than me. I still feel that. Don't let that get you down. It's a normal thing, especially for women to feel. Be bold and be strong and tap into your inner confidence.
Thanks for listening to See Uncovered. You can check out more at www.createeveryopportunity.org. Thanks again.